You're listening to a Flawless Noises Media Network production. Welcome to Gay Side Stories, where the gay shit goes. I am your host, Curtis. I go about your life on all social media. Thank you so much for joining me for another week. There are so many podcasts out there that you can listen to and you choose to listen to this one. And I am eternally grateful Speaking of, if you want to support this podcast and its home network, a.k.a. Flawless Noises Media Network, you can do so in two ways. One, go to patreon.com slash flawless noises and sign up in exchange for a little bit of money. You will be getting a lot of bonus content from myself and other hosts on Flawless Noises. You can also purchase some merchandise to help support this show. Go to flawlessnoises.com store, pick up a shirt or a tote. And now we're going to get the show started. I am sitting across from such a beautiful angelic face. That mouth is not as angelic as it used to be. Let me tell you that. <laughs> I'm here with my goddaughter, Jaden, the newly minted 13-year-old, eighth grader extraordinaire, little Miss Jaden. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. So, like I said, Jaden is my goddaughter. And I didn't tell you this, but I talked to your mom about it earlier. Jaden has been kind of like my unofficial goddaughter. When her little brother Jameson was born, my friend Bree and her ex-husband named me as his godfather. And I was just kind of like, well, I mean, Jaden is there. And I've been rocking with Jaden before Jameson was even a concept. <laughs> so I was like, it's kind of, I felt like it was kind of a two for one deal. But we never really made it official. So I talked to your mom yesterday mm-hmm. um, and we've made it official. I am officially your godfather. Yay! So you you have I mean you already had me to lean on but now you officially have me to lean on and I'll be there to help guide you in all of those things. So my official goddaughter you guys is on the show and I'm excited. I want to see where the mind of a 13-year-old black girl in North Carolina is. So this is also special because we're recording in person, as I said in earlier. Person. I am in north of the Carolinas, and I'm I'm happy and I'm excited. So we're going to get started with just some general questions. Let's throw this into the queer query. That's fine. Question. So, Jaden, what questions do you have to ask me? Um... What made you really decide decide to move to Seattle? Oh God, there was a lot of layers. So I've talked about this on the show before, but obviously, the majority of this show is probably not for thirteen-year-old ears. So Jada would not have heard the story. But number one was the job market. Trying to find a job was difficult. Mm-hmm. I had been on and off with a job. Unemployment is what we like to call it in adult world. That was number one. So a job in Seattle literally kind of fell in my lap with very little effort on my part. Like I didn't even really have a real interview because they were impressed with my resume. That was on the professional side. On the personal side, when I really started to think about it, I felt like even though Houston was my hometown, and I've never lived anywhere else, I felt like I had gotten stagnant. I felt like I had 
gotten to a point where I was so comfortable that I wasn't progressing in my life. Like I wasn't really chasing after my goals. I wasn't doing things to enrich my life. I didn't feel like I was living my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, like and you so, were progressing. Right. And making your life better and Exactly. Better. And so when I said, okay, I, I have this opportunity to really shift my life. What am I going to do? And I decided to make the leap. And I did struggle with the decision. And then ultimately, I kind of settled on two things. Number one, I was like, if things don't work out, I can always go back home. What's going to happen with work and money and all that kind of stuff? I don't know. But I know that I have people that I can depend on. I'm not going to be homeless or anything like that. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing was you just have to try. And you never really know what it is you're capable of until you try. And ultimately, ultimately, I was like, people move every day, B. <laughs> like, that's the that's the, the honest truth. Like it's when it comes to you, it's different because you, you have some you know what is going on in your world. And so you're like, mm-hmm. can I do this? But then when I really sat back and thought about it, I'm like, people literally move every day. People move so much that there's moving companies. There's a whole business dedicated to <laughs> moving. So I'm like, so if other people can do it, why can't I do it? I was thinking about my friend Naj one of my closest friends mm-hmm. and he's moved from new Orleans to Houston to New York, back to Houston, back to New York. And now he's living in LA. So I'm like, there's no reason why I can't also move and see what else life has to offer. So that was why I ended up moving to Seattle. Do you miss Garcliffe? I, I do. I'm sorry. I do miss him. I mean, be not deceived. He got on my nerves (laughs) a lot of the time. But one of the things that I miss the most about Garcliff, which for anyone who's not familiar, Garcliff is the cat that I had before I moved. Um, Affectionately known as nigga cat. (laughs) Because that's what he acted like. But anyway, and I just did not have the capacity to bring him with me given everything that was going on with the move and Mm -hmm. the thing that I miss the most about him is like I said even though he got on my nerves looking back I realized that when I was in like a bad mood or like you know my depression was getting me down or something like that Mm -hmm. he kind of could sense it and he would be a little bit more affectionate and that's what I'm kind of like a dog, like dogs. I mean, well, dogs like to be up under you anyway, depending on the dog. But cats are usually like, like stay away from me. Like. Get your get your shit together. <laughs> and he was very uh, more. He was more affectionate, I think, when he could tell I wasn't feeling good. The other thing um. that I miss about him is he was like a typical <laughs> Southern person, I would say. If I came home and I didn't greet him, when I tell you he would follow me around the apartment until I did, (laughs) because cats do this thing where you come in the door, they'll run up and they'll start rolling around on the ground. And let me tell you Mm -hmm. something. For the first six years that I had him, I didn't know what that meant. You know how I found out what that meant? How? Playing The Sims. (laughs) (laughs) I was playing The Sims and my Sim had a cat. 
And so the cat ran up to the door when my sim came home and started doing the exact same thing that Garcliff used to do. And so when I looked at the interaction, it said greet, greet owner or something like that. And I was like, is that what that is? I was like, no wonder you would get an attitude when I wouldn't speak. Because <laughs> So in my mind, when I saw that, I was like, I can just hear him in his cat mind being like, you don't come up in the house and don't speak. That's not what we do. <laughs> and he would literally follow me around the house until I spoke, until I greeted him some kind of way. And it could be as much as a just a quick pat on his head Aww. or I would pick him up and give him a hug and then put him back. And he'll go about his business. But you're not coming in that house without greeting him. So I do miss those things about guard cliff. Would you ever get like a new pet? Like, or are you a cat or a dog person? I'm both, but I've had a cat for so long. I really want a dog and where I'm living now, we have a dog, but she's not my dog. So it's like, you know, I don't want to get too attached. Um, Um, but I would love to have a big dog, but I want to have adequate space. Like, I don't want to have a big dog in an apartment and the dog don't have enough space to run around. I don't have enough space to get around the dog. Like, I want to make sure I have a big outdoor space, maybe a backyard. But the way the economy is looking and these housing prices, it's going to have to be a dog park. (laughs) (laughs) But somewhere close enough that a dog could run around and be a dog, be a big dog. Like, I want, like, a big dog, like one of them... 100 pound dogs that's just 100. big for no reason i like those like the big horse dogs i like them <laughs> where you can hug their neck and it's like sufficient <laughs> neck to hug i like the small ones too yeah i want a small dog and i want it to be able to wear clothes and i want it to have that little you know that little toy from target that's like a little starbucks cup and it says puppuccino on it i didn't know they had that come on puppuccino <laughs> Yeah, I listen did. to Jaden. She wants she want to be like legally blonde, have her little dog in her purse. Yes. <laughs> Let me find out, <laughs> Paris Hilton. Have your little doggy dog. That's cute though. Yeah. But yeah, I would definitely have another pet in my lifetime. But I just want to be sure that I have the right setup for the pet. Like a cat is easy because cats don't get that big, and they like their space. They get into stuff, but not the way a dog does. Like a dog takes up a lot more space unless you have like a small dog the size of a cat but then it's like you know you have to be dedicated to a dog too i don't and that's the reason why i didn't have a dog before because i wasn't trying to walk no dog i wasn't trying to pick up no (laughs) boo-boo i wasn't trying to do none of that i was just listen although shoveling cat poop from the litter box wasn't much better so i may have played myself (laughs) <laughs> I saw a woman I don't know if I was going crazy But I saw a woman walking her cat First her of yard. all What was going on where that cat allowed that Listen Because Garcliffe didn't even like to have clothes on I tried to I tried <laughs> to do the little cute uh, Etsy pet owner thing And get him like some little cute shirts and <laughs> He did not He like was it. not Here for the bull mess understand and just imagine that he was over it he was like "Uh uh-uh i don't need no shirt i've been naked all this time i don't need no clothes i'm not going nowhere i don't even leave the apartment i'm not going to the cat club i'm not doing (laughs) nothing i'm not going to the cookout i'm not doing anything but being in this house i don't need no shirts and i was like you know what 
Fair. I respect that. Um, well, what is different about Seattle that you had to get used to? Like, other than the time, obviously. The time is taking some getting used to. Uh, the other big thing I would say is the weather. The because weather. the weather is a lot different in Seattle than it is in Houston. It's way less humid. So it doesn't feel stuffy. If you understand, like when you go outside here in the middle of the day when it's like 100 something degrees, it's not just hot, but it feels like you can feel it all over your skin and you feel kind of like that's the humidity. And you're probably used to it because you live here. But in Seattle, yeah. it's not like that. Like when it's warm, it's just it's a, it's a little warm, but it's not muggy. You know what I mean? It doesn't. You know what I can best describe it to help you understand? You know, when you take a shower, like mm-hmm. a hot shower, mm-hmm. how the bathroom feels when you get out, when it's still warm and wet. Yeah. That's what the humidity feels like in Houston. It feels like that here. But like I say, you're probably just used to it. But in mm-hmm. Seattle, it doesn't feel like that. When it gets hot, it, it doesn't feel... And it also doesn't get as hot. Like, uh-huh. the hottest it's been this summer has been, like, somewhere in the 80s. And it was only for, like, a day at a time. Like, it doesn't consistently stay as hot. And in the middle of the summer, or the beginning of the summer, in June, like, the beginning of June, mm-hmm. it was in the 50s, in the middle of the day. It was cold as hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing is, it also doesn't rain as much as people say it does. And it's mm-hmm. not the same kind of rain that we're used to. Because when you think rain, you you thinking downpour. Here and in Houston. But in Seattle, it's usually just like a mist or like a sprinkle. Maybe a light rain, but it's not like torrential downpours like what I'm used to. Wow. Um, and it's only during the winter months. Like people think they have this idea that it rains 24-7, 365 in Seattle. And it's not the case. In the summer, in the summer, it doesn't rain as much. It still rains every now and then, but it doesn't rain nearly as much. And in the winter, it gets cold, but usually it doesn't get like cold, cold, like snow and all that kind of stuff. And it just rains a lot. Now, last winter when I moved up there was some kind of fluke and it snowed multiple times. It was a hot mess, but usually... You know, the weather is just a lot milder. So that's taking some getting used to. Because while I enjoy it, it's just not what I'm used to. I'm going outside and I'm like, it's the middle of the day in September. And it's nice. It's like being at the beach almost. Whereas Mm -hmm. I'm used to in Houston from sun up to sundown. And after you out there baking (laughs) and cooking, like it's hot. You know what I mean? And you've been to Houston. You know how hot it is. It's very hot in the summer. I was, like, confused. Like, why is it so hot? Exactly. Imagine. Imagine having to have your work clothes and go to work in the middle of the summer in that that heat. It's terrible. I wish we could change the rhetoric on that. Like, why do we have to dress up to go to work? Like, we can still look neat. And not have to wear suits and stuff. But, I mean, let me shut up because I don't wear suits to work anyway. <laughs> I be in, in at work in some jeans and a button-up <laughs> that I got off Amazon. Comfortable, okay? I'm all about comfort. But, listen, when I get this body together, <laughs> I'm going to be styling and profiling. Y'all ain't going to be like, look at him. <laughs> no, me. Mm-hmm. Well, um, where do you want to move next? 
I don't know. I know you don't want to stay there your whole life. I don't know. I haven't gotten that far. My main focus has been to just stay open to the possibility and not burden myself so much with stuff Mm -hmm. that I would have to do a lot to move again. Because obviously I had been set up in Houston for so long. I had accumulated a lot of stuff. I had an apartment Mm -hmm. full of furniture. And in order to make the move happen, I had to give up a lot of stuff. And so now I'm like, I don't want to accumulate so much stuff again that I would have to do that again. Like, let's say my contract on my current job ends at the end of the year Mm -hmm. and the company that I work for says, "Okay, well, we have another job, but it's in Phoenix, which God, I hope it's not in Phoenix because it's hot there. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, you know, let's say the next job is in San Diego or San Francisco or L.A. or something like that. It would be much easier for me to coordinate that move because I don't have as much stuff. You know, my bed is small and I don't have a lot of other furniture outside of that. You know what I mean? So I could get one of them little bitty uh, U-Haul things that you put on the back of your vehicle. Mm -hmm. And that would be big enough to to carry all my stuff just to give you a sense. So remember the last time you and your mom and Jameson visited me and all that stuff I had in my apartment. Yeah. When I moved from Houston to Seattle, I left with only stuff that could fit in my truck. Out of all the stuff I had in my apartment, when I moved, if it didn't fit in my truck, I didn't take it with me. So you didn't take your TV? You take I took one of my TVs. You didn't take your couch? Nope. You took your bed, though? Nope. What? How did you feel to like lose all that stuff? It was a process. I feel I'm like be I'm honest. a hoarder because I can't get rid of anything. And see, I I wouldn't call myself a hoarder, but I, maybe I was like a baby hoarder. Because when I started going through stuff, I realized, like, why do I have all these charges mm-hmm. for phones I don't even have anymore? Why do I have this? Why do I have that? And so it was really a process of getting rid of a lot of stuff. I mean, I had drum sets from drum set? Nintendo Switch. It was a video game drum set. I had a guitar. I had all kinds of old gaming systems that I didn't play anymore. I sold mm-hmm. so much stuff. When I moved, because I just, all of the stuff I had, I had a whole kitchen full of stuff. I got rid of most of that. And I only took what would be able to fit in my truck. Oh. Now, and I do have a storage unit in Houston with some stuff that I didn't have enough space to bring with me. But I didn't feel like I needed to bring it with me. Like I got, you know, just stuff that I wanted to keep. So that when I do get settled again and whatever situation... I can go back and get my stuff and ship it or whatever the case may be. Um, But yeah, my main thing has just been not getting so much stuff that I'm not as mobile as I want to be in case I need to move again. Who knows? I may end up in Seattle for the next 20 years Hmm. or I could move next year. Who knows? But the main thing is just being open to the possibilities. And I feel like now that I've made the big move and the break, I've divorced myself from all of my possessions, my physical mm-hmm. material possessions, I feel like I can do it. I can I've done it. Now it's not gonna it's not gonna be nothing. You know what I'm saying? It's like the difference between, you know, getting a cut where you need a band aid and getting a cut where you can just be like, eh, I'm good. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's just different. It's it has me in a different mindset. Oh um if you move next year, I hope you move here. Um, <laughs> I don't think you. 
I would not unless I had to. And I'm not going to tell you why because I don't feel like you're old enough. <laughs> we'll have to have that conversation in a few years <laughs> about why I would not. I do prefer to stay on the West Coast, though. I will say that. Yeah, I bet it's a lot prettier over there. It's prettier like, and there's other concessions. Your I, mom knows about what I'm talking about. <laughs> when she hears this, she's going to know exactly what I'm referring to. I feel like it might be like prettier over there to some people. Like to people like me because they haven't seen it over there. But to people that live over there, it might be prettier here because there are so many trees and all that. Well, I mean, depending on where you live, like Seattle is full of trees. So really? that was another thing that's been a big adjustment that I've loved moving to Seattle because Houston is very flat and is very built up. Like there's not a lot of trees in Houston. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of hills. And in Seattle, it's nothing but hills and trees, hills and trees, hills and wildlife, hills and trees. And it's beautiful. They call it the Emerald City. Because of all the greenery. So, yeah, it's definitely beautiful. It's just that the weather is milder on that coast than it is on the East Coast. Like here in North Carolina, y'all's weather runs the gamut. You have beautiful sunny days. You have humidity. You get snow when it gets cold. We get all four you get seasons. all four seasons. And a lot of times they be exaggerated. Whereas it's a little bit milder and even on the West Coast for the most part, like the temperatures don't go up and down like they do here. The weather doesn't change so drastically unless it's kind of like an off year like last year in Seattle, like I said. Oh, yeah. When it like snowed like yeah. crazy. And a lot of the people that have lived there for a while or. It was like the first time they seen snow. Not the first time, but they were like, this is unusual. It usually does not snow during the winter. It's just rainy. Oh. And so when it did snow, it was. It was a big deal because people are like, this, we, we don't do that. <laughs> like, what we don't do, do that. Think? And definitely, you know, the city and the surrounding areas shut down because they're not used to snow because it doesn't snow that often. Hmm. So I think that's going to wrap up our first segment. And we will take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. And then we'll come back and get into the main topic. Thank you for supporting the Flawless Noises Media Network. You can visit FlawlessNoises.com for more information on our other wonderful shows. You can also connect with us on social media. Search for at Flawless Noises on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Go to FlawlessNoises.com store if you're interested in purchasing some merchandise. And if you really love us and would like some bonus content, subscribe to our Patreon. With $5 and $10 subscription levels, you're bound to hear something you like. Go to patreon.com slash flawless noises for more details. We thank you for taking the time to listen to our shows and supporting your favorite hosts. Please feel free to share with your friends, family, coworkers, and more. Flawless Noises Media Network, get to know our sound. And now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. We are back from break, and we're going to get into the main topic. The main topic for this episode is going to be my 13-year-old goddaughter asking me questions that she has about the LGBT plus community, life. I don't want to say lifestyle because it's not a lifestyle, but if you have questions regarding how people live within the community, like 
what do they do? Do they do things that much differently than heterosexual people? Whatever questions you have, I am here to answer. So, little Miss Jaden, what is your first question? What does LGBTQ stand for? So, there are a lot more letters in the acronym. I usually keep it to that because I can't keep all of the letters straight. And they reuse some letters and I get Mm -hmm. confused. Like, there's Q, but depending on who you ask, Q could be for questioning. Q could be for queer. So, I usually kind of cap it. But anyway, the the building block of it is LGBT. L stands for lesbian. B stands for bisexual, G is for gay, and the T is for transgender. And then beyond that, there's more that fall in that realm. So like I said, you got Q for queer or questioning. You have I for intersex. You have A for asexual. And I want to say there's another A, A for ally, which is debatable. I don't know if allies need a place in the acronym. It just depends on who you ask. Uh, there's P, P for pansexual. I don't know what else off the top of my head, but that's what it stands for. And so just to give you an idea of some of the differences, I assume you know some of them. But just so lesbian obviously is two cisgender women that are in a sexual or romantic relationship. There's sexual and romantic attraction uh for gay it's the same thing but with two cisgender men mm-hmm. with bisexual it's a person a cisgender person or i guess it could be a transgender person too let me rephrase let me take the transgender out for b it's someone that's attracted to both men and women physically romantically sexually socially whatever and then the t is for transgender so the difference is the l the g and the b Mm-hmm. are sexualities who are you sexually attracted to the t for transgender is a gender identity so that means you say i am a i'm a girl mm-hmm. and i have girl sexual reproductive organs that's how you identify that makes you a cisgender girl a transgender girl would be a girl that was born a boy but mm-hmm. They feel like they're a girl. So their their gender identity is different from what was assigned to them at birth. Oh. And so for transgender is purely a gender identity and the others are a sexual identity, a sexual orientation, I should say. Well, why aren't like, why are those in transgender like not divided? Like how come transgender doesn't get its own? So that's a good question. And there's actually been debate over the past however long, I don't know for sure, of people thinking the same thing, that transgender maybe doesn't need to be in the umbrella. My best guess, and I could be off a little bit on this, was that initially the the LGBT community was a community of outcasts. So anybody that was different from your normal man-woman relationship or identifying Mm -hmm. as a man because you were born with a penis and identifying as a woman because you were born with a vagina, that was normal. So any literally anything outside of that was considered other. And so it all got put together. But it's a fair assessment to be like, does the transgender part really 
fit because for most of us, we have one sexual orientation and we find whichever level works best for us. Whereas you can be trans and still be gay. Mm-hmm. You can be trans and still be a lesbian. You can be trans and still be bisexual. You can be trans and still be pansexual because they don't fall under the same category. It's like category mm-hmm. A is sexual orientation. Category B is gender identity. And if you're trans, then you have you usually have both. And then mm-hmm. there's other uh, identities within the community. You have your gender nonconforming. And those are the people who say, I'm not a man. I'm not a woman. I'm just me. They may have pronouns like they and them. So they don't want to be called he. They don't want to be called she. They want to be called they. They want to be called them because Mm -hmm. they don't subscribe to the binary. You have your bisexual people, like I said, that are attracted to men and women. And it's confined to those two. And then you have pansexual, which is basically generally attracted to whatever like they don't have a lot of rules about gender and genitals so when you say i'm pansexual that means i'm attracted to almost everything i would imagine so you're attracted to gay men you're attracted to lesbian women you're attracted to trans people whereas like i said with bisexual because it's bi it's only operating under the two sexualities the two genders Mm -hmm. So when you say bi, you're saying I'm only attracted to men and women. Now, whether or not that's cisgendered or and transgender, I think is up for debate. But when you want to say I'm attracted to a wide variety, where do I fit? Usually pansexual. Take this all with a grain of salt, of course. I could be off on some of this. I'm giving my best knowledge off the top of my head. But hopefully I'm I'm imparting mostly correct information to my goddaughter. So what's your next question? Um, how did you tell your family? Ooh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known you was gonna come for my wig after how you did your mama. <laughs> <laughs> so the interesting thing with that is I've depending on the family member I haven't really had those conversations like my mom my stepdad i've never officially come out of the closet um my biological father i recently told him like within the last two months and it was just kind of in passing like i didn't even mean to tell him he has this thing about women he calls women baby girls i don't Mm. i don't know apparently my father thinks he's uh Shamar Moore calling all the women baby girls <laughs> and we were having a conversation he was saying something about baby girls and I just kind of off rip without thinking said something to the effect of, of I don't even like baby girls but blah 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 and I was like oh <laughs> I was like well I never told you this before but here you go <laughs> um, my brother when we reconnected I kind of told him he was like yeah I already knew but okay um. uh other family members like one of my cousins she's bisexual so you know that was pretty wasn't a big deal but yeah i i I don't have like a real laid out concise coming out story because i've never really had that conversation does my mom know i don't know how she couldn't does my stepfather know i don't care i don't i don't mess with him like that like i'm not a fan 
Mm. So I, I I would guess that more of my family knows, but I haven't had that conversation with the majority of them. Although, since the news feature, and I'm sure Dad has gone around the group chats of family members that I don't <laughs> talk to, so I'm it's out of the bag now. Because if you didn't know, the name of the show is Gay Side Story, so mm. it's not leaving much to the imagination. But I would say my story is pretty typical i don't think everyone has a coming out story it just really depends on your the the environmental factors that you grow up in or whether or not you need that like i wasn't flamboyant to the point of everybody knew or assumed that i was gay growing up you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it was just if you knew what to look for you might know if you stumbled across something then you would know but it wasn't like I wasn't trying to be in makeup, wearing dress. Like, did I experiment with all that stuff? Yes. Did I feel like that's what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be who I was? No. So I didn't stick with it. It was like, okay, I'm home alone during the summer. Let me go put my mama heels on. And I'm like, girl, why you wear these? <laughs> you know, it wasn't like a, I wasn't in there performing Whitney Houston and stuff like some of my counterparts. Which, shout out to y'all. But it just it wasn't appealing to me it just depends though like some people will be like yeah i um i knew because you did this or i knew from when you did this or something like that and then i've had instances where i was in a whole relationship with the man and he would tell me often if we weren't in this relationship and i saw you on the street i would not have thought you were gay like it just depends on what you look for Mm. but yeah, I don't have a real coming out, coming out story. I got a lot of other stories, <laughs> but not officially coming out. Not really. I will say, though, and I want to say this because I feel like it's important for you to hear. I have had instances where I came out to friends and I lost friends. Really? Like I had a friend that I grew up with for a time. Like we lived across the street from each other. Mm-hmm. And this is one of my friends where we would. We would be outside climbing trees, playing Power Rangers because Power Rangers had just came out. Power Rangers has been out for 400 years (laughs) now, but, you know, it was brand new. It was the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So we would be outside playing Power Rangers. We would play video games, all of that stuff. Like we were friends, friends. And then we moved. We lost contact. We Mm -hmm. regained contact when we were in college, if you can imagine. Wow. Because the house where I grew up in Mm -hmm. for part of my childhood before we moved my grandmother moved into that house she did before she passed away she moved Uh into that house and then after my grandmother passed away the man Mm -hmm. that her her boyfriend lived there for a while and then he moved and then my parents renovated the house and my cousin bought it and Uh so one day i went to go visit my cousin and my friend's dad still lived in the house that they lived in growing up so i just stopped by to speak to him my friend was there, and so we reconnected. He ended up transferring colleges to the college that I was going to at the time. Wow. We were we were friends, go out to eat, do all kinds of stuff together. He was on the football team, so he got me the good tickets on the side of the stadium where we didn't have to sit in the sun, where we could sit down. Because I went to Texas A&M, and if you know anything about Texas A&M in College Station, the football and all that stuff is a big deal. And on the student side, there's all of these like practices and and things that we do during the game all kinds of Mm -hmm. cheers and yells and it's generally a 
spoken non-spoken rule that you stand up for the the whole game Mm -hmm. but on the other side where the parents and the alumni and the rich people sit we sit down and it's in the shade so when the football players get tickets for their family they at the time they they got four free tickets to the game Mm -hmm. and they just put people's names on the list when they put your name on the list you're on that side so i was like okay so we were you know i was like okay like (laughs) <laughs> you know, let's go, let's rah rah, uh, Aggie Nation, whatever. <laughs> you know, whatever it was at the time, all of that kind of stuff. And I finally got to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm, I want to be open with this, and I want my friends to support it. And so I told one of my other friends, and she was like, okay, are we still going to go eat? <laughs> <laughs> and I told him, and I've told this story on the show before. I told him and he basically hit me back like, yeah, that's disgusting. And I don't ever want to hear about that again. Like, we don't need to talk about that ever. And that was the last time we had a conversation. Exactly. So I wanted to say that because I want to make sure that, you know, and you can tell your friends about this conversation that we've had that. It's important how you react to people who tell you these type of things. Because it might be a sensitive topic for them. Well, that, but you just never know who's looking for that acceptance. Imagine a friend of yours coming to you and be like, hey, Jaden, I like girls. Or, you know, a boy coming to you being like, hey, Jaden, I like boys. And you being like, oh, that's disgusting. Don't ever say that to me again. Imagine how they would feel. That's, I would feel like. I'd lost somebody, if that makes sense. Not if they had told me if, like, if I was in that situation and they gave me that, like, I'd feel like they didn't understand me, like, that I couldn't even talk to them anymore. Exactly. You don't feel like you were really friends. And that's exactly how I felt. Like, it really hurt my feelings that somebody that I have these very fond memories not even wanting to have the conversation, let alone acceptance and or tolerance, you know, although at, at this point in my life, I'm not interested in tolerance. Like if you're not going to rock with me knowing my sexuality, then we don't need to rock period. I don't want to be tolerated. I don't want to, I don't want any of that. I love the sinner, but hate the sin. I don't want none of that. Like if, if it can't be the way I am with your mom, the way I am with Juanita, then I don't want it. Mm-hmm. But it's important to think about that kind of stuff. And a lot of people, I think, they only think about family and they don't think about friends. And it can hurt just as much to lose uh-huh. a friend because you are being open about your sexuality. And and being open about, like, who you are. Who you are, yeah. Like, and like- it's it's not like I was like, okay, so now, you know, I'm going to need relationship advice from, from you or I'm going to talk to you about every sexual conquest that I had. It's nothing like that. It was just this. It is what it is so that, you know, and you can kind of manage your expectations a little bit better mm-hmm. because a lot of people, they automatically assume, especially with cisgender heterosexual men, mm-hmm. which is, again, man who was born a man and who identifies as a man and he's heterosexual that's how they bond a lot of the times they bond over sexual conquest they bond over talking about women and usually in not such a good way not such a nice way and so you want to kind of manage those those expectations like 
when y'all going around the room talking about this, that, and the other, don't come to me because that's not my life. But that doesn't mean that we can't still be friends. We can't still interact and we can't relate to each other. And so to have that door slammed in my face from a friend that I had known that I, since I was like six or seven, Ooh. it it really hurt. Especially since we lost contact for so long and then reconnected as adults. But mm-hmm. it is what it is. And good luck to him, I guess. I don't know. Actually, no. You know, whatever to him. Good luck to me. <laughs> <laughs> I I claim the luck for myself. <laughs> I need it. I'm the one that's in the community. He not. What do you think it was like, like, a long, long time ago? Like, you know how they used to, like, kill children with, like, disabilities and stuff? Like, in, like, the early 1900s and, like, under. Like, do you think they did that to, like, gay people? So, the thing about that is we really don't have to wonder. You just have to do the research, but... That's a lot of work. (laughs) Well... So the thing about that is if you don't do the research and you don't know the history, Mm -hmm. then you're doomed to repeat it. If you don't know the mistakes that the people before you made, how do you stop yourself from making those same mistakes? And it honestly has not been good. Historically, the treatment of the LGBT plus community has not been good. And honestly, it's still not good. I don't mean to rattle you or anything, but I want to be real with you. Like the T transgender. I see them getting treated horribly. They get treated horribly. And there have been, I want to say, 18 black trans women that have been murdered just this year alone. Wow. And only one that was, I believe, a white trans man. And he died in a mass shooting that his brother did. Like his brother started with him. And even in that, that transgender man was misgendered in the media. They kept saying in articles and stuff that the mass shooter killed his sister. And it came out a few weeks after, maybe a week or two after, that that was actually his brother that was trans. And they didn't acknowledge the transness. This is what I'm saying. Like, this is the Mm -hmm. stuff, even in 2019, that we have to deal with. If you look, if you have your ear to the LGBT streets, And I'm not saying that I know everything or I pay attention to everything because Lord knows I only have a limited amount of just wellness before I just cannot handle a lot of this stuff. But you look, I mean, all over the world, it's people in the community being treated poorly, being discriminated against, Mm -hmm. being beaten, being murdered. Like even during Pride Month, which is June, if you... You get on Twitter this year, I think I remember seeing it. A lot of people were talking about their pride experiences and they were saying that when they leave pride, they take off all of their stuff. They take off the rainbow stuff, beads, stickers, stuff on their face because on their way home, they don't want to be bashed. They don't want to be beat up. They don't want to be potentially killed. Like it's it's gotten better. You see people in the community, in the media. You see them on your TV screen. You see Janet Mock doing things. You see Laverne Cox. You see whoever else that you may know about. But 
that doesn't mean that the danger is not present for other members of the community. Like I know black trans women. There's one that's a part of the podcast network that I'm on that I run. Mm-hmm. Her name is Bianca. And I say this a lot and I'm going to keep saying it. I worry about Bianca every day as a black mm-hmm. trans woman. She's tall. She's like six, four. You can't miss her. And you just never know who is going to come across her with a hateful spirit and a hateful heart. Just because of who she is. Just because of who she is. They may not know her. They don't know anything about her. They don't know what she has under her dress, which is not their business to begin with. And they hate her. And they are willing to inflict physical harm. And there's been a lot of conversations about, number one, it makes it more visible with social media Mm -hmm. but also there's been kind of an incline of like the violence and discrimination towards the community since this presidential administration has come into office and so we don't really have to wonder we know what it was like we know the reason why pride month is a thing is because there were black trans women um hispanic trans women and other people in the community, but they were kind of the the at the front lines that had had enough, and they rioted. Gay pride started as a riot, hmm. and it turned into a celebration. And now, I mean, what it is now, it depends on who you ask. But <laughs> but that's where those were the roots. So if you want to know how were people looked at in the past, some places. They looked at being a part of the community as a mental illness. A mental illness. A mental illness. There are actually places that like treat it. As- I didn't say they treat it. <laughs> I said they consider it a mental illness so that they can do whatever they want to do. They There are places even today in the world where it's illegal and it, it's punishable by death. Death. Yeah obviously not here in America but there are places where it's it's not safe to be out um, because homophobia is worldwide just like racism is worldwide yeah. or I should say anti-blackness is worldwide we, we don't have to guess if you do the research you can see how they used to treat LGBT people and the thing about mm-hmm. it is if you look at history LGBT people have been here just as long as everybody else so it's like you think thousands and thousands of years and men didn't start having sex with other men until the 1970s come on now you think women weren't attracted to other women until the 1960s no like this you could look look at roman history they were pretty open with their sexuality greek history they were pretty open with their sexualities it's not anything new but the fight to be treated as i won't say normal but as people who deserve to be able to live and to be respected and to not be discriminated against is fairly new. Like that's newer, like in the last what, 50, 60 years. But gay people been here the whole time. Transgender people been here the whole time. They may not look the same, but they've been here. Lesbians have been here. It's, it's nothing new. So um what's a stereotype that you don't like about it? Like I know there are probably a lot, but 
what's one that you just cannot stand and you disagree with? Hmm, a stereotype. Not that like you don't like, but that's just not you. That's just not me. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty easy. I think the main one that is not something that I don't like, but like you said, it's not me, is the stereotype that gay men, gay boys are automatically into fashion, into mm-hmm. hair, into makeup and all that kind of stuff. And I respect the ones that are because let me tell you something. They are what? Talented. Very. But that's not me. I don't know how to do hair. I'm not interested in doing hair. I struggle with my own damn hair. Okay. <laughs> I'm not interested in makeup. I don't want to do makeup. I'm not really interested in wearing makeup. Although I'm, I might do something when I go home to Houston because my friend is an amazing makeup artist. Shout out to Nikki. I'm not into fashion. Mm-hmm. I pick comfort over trying to look cute. Okay. I look how I'm dressed. I'm not trying to step out in, in anything that some of my counterparts do and again shout out to y'all y'all out here looking good y'all designing stuff that's just not me but that stereotype is definitely still there that's like okay well you gay so you into fashion help me pick out an outfit or you must be into hair or you uh, i can't believe you don't have nails or weird stuff like that it's just you know that kind of stereotype is like it's not me that's not me we're and it's important to understand that just because we're part of the community, just because we're gay, just because we're lesbian, because even with lesbians, you know, uh, stereotypes about them being butch and wearing flannel and all that kind of stuff. Like just because we're part of the community doesn't mean that there's only one version of us. Like mm-hmm. you can be gay and still be a different type of man, depending on who it is. You can be a lesbian and be a different type of lesbian, depending on what kind of woman you are. It's not a one size fits all type thing. And that's where a lot of people get hung up because they have in their mind what a gay man looks like. They have in their mind. What does a lesbian woman look like? They have in their mind. What does a transgender woman look like? I know what a transgender woman looks like because it's just a man in a wig and a dress. I know what a lesbian looks like because they wearing, like I said, they wearing flannel. They act like dudes and they trying to be men. I know what gay men look like because they flamboyant and feminine. They got makeup and hair extensions and all that kind of stuff. When the truth of the matter is we vary as far as the kind of people we are, just like everybody else. Straight people are not in the box. That's like trying to like say, I know what a normal person looks like, but exactly. all people look the same. Not the same. They all look different. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, you're right. It's a lot of stereotypes, but that was the first one that came to mind. Do you think they should have, like, you know how they made it a lot where people in the LGBTQ community could get like married to the people that they love Mm -hmm. do they do you think they should have made that law a law earlier absolutely absolutely the thing about it that we have to fight is not just hatred of our sexuality how we choose to present how we live our lives there's a very deep religious aspect to it and a bigoted aspect to it And so a lot of people look at marriage as not two people coming together that that are in love and want to have it legally declared or even as like a business type of thing like they used to do back in the day. Because, you know, marriage used to be all about the business. Like my daughter is part of this family. We have this type of setup. We have this type of money and she's going to be matched with the man 
who comes from a family and who has built a, a life for himself that's of equal footing so that both families can continue to ascend. Like a lot of the basis of marriage was not love. It was business transactions. And so now in order to be spiteful and hateful, a lot of people have adopted this idea that marriage is supposed to be man and woman because that's what God ordained and da 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 And depending on who you ask, depending on what kind of research you've done from the stuff that I've seen and just my common sense, and I could be wrong, but common sense tells me that marriage did not begin with Christianity. Like people were, were having these life bonds or these whatever type of economic bonds before Christianity was a thing, you know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. we've gotten to the point where we're so faux religious because a lot of people claim to be religious and they don't even try to live a religious life. And me growing up as a Christian, I know the core values and the core teachings and a lot of Christians don't even try. They like to say I'm a Christian and I have a quote unquote higher power to go to when I'm going through shit or when I want something, I have somebody to pray to. But as far as actually trying to live by the values of loving your neighbor and being a good person, a lot of people don't give. They don't care about any of that. So you have to factor that in and that trickles down to marriage. And there's even been laws put into place. I remember I want to say it was Bill Clinton president bill clinton that came out with a defense of marriage law where they basically were trying to define marriage as man and woman because they did not want gay people to be able to get married and so i definitely feel like it should have happened a long time ago but it's the society we live in it's the country that we live in and it's almost like you can't really be surprised that it's like that in this country, given this country's history. I mean, we're still arguing about the semantics of slavery to this day. So yeah, it's, it's not surprising. Years ago. It, exactly. So it's not surprising that it's not as progressive as one would think, because I can see I can even look at your face and see as I'm answering this question, you're like, it's 2019. Like, I don't understand why we, this is still a thing, mm-hmm. but it is because you being younger and being more open, you can see it. Whereas people older than you, like the older that people get, the more closed off that they get, the mm-hmm. less tolerant that they are, the more conservative that they become. And so it's the older people that are like, no, you can't do this. And we get to define what this, that and the other is. And it's the younger people like you that are coming up and saying, no, you don't get to tell me what I can and can't do. And you don't Mm -hmm. get to exclude me from these benefits because you don't like who I'm marrying. Because a lot of the benefits of marriage are economic and there's medical benefits because if something happens to you. You want your partner to be able to do the things that a man's wife would be able to do or Uh a woman's husband would be able to do because you're in the same type of relationship. Mm -hmm. You're in a long term relationship or you've designated this person as the person who should be able to make medical decisions for me only for your own government to be like, but that's another man. So, no. And here we are. 
If you got married, would you adopt the kid? Wait a minute. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I, we need to spend more time together because clearly <laughs> you got me confused with someone else. Oh, God. Let me, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm going to meet you in the land of hypotheticals. If I were to get married, which the ghetto, but <laughs> if I were to get married, mm, would I adopt a kid? Because you love me and Jameson. I do, but y'all are not my kids. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> that would probably be a hard sell for my husband. But my thing with that is we would not get married if we were not on the same accord when that with that kind of thing. Exactly. And that's one of those things I feel like is a it's a deal breaker. And so mm-hmm. if you want kids and I don't, how are we going to make this work? Because one of you can't have a kid and the other one just not. Because you're both going to have to put in work. Right. Know? Right. Because you're both going to be parenting the child. You don't. And I make this joke all the time about, okay, well, my husband can have kids, but they're not my kids. So he on his own with that. But is that practical? Of course not. Um, but it would definitely be a hard sell because I'm I don't have any interest in raising children. I, mm-hmm. I, I children are cool. <laughs> <laughs> children are cool, and I love my friends' kids. Shout out to Micah and and both of the Averys and uh, Noah. Obviously, Jameson and Jaden, my god kids. Kids are cool, but as far as having a child and being a parent every day is not something that I'm necessarily interested in. So that would be a interesting thing to work out with a partner. So you're more of a pet person. That's your child. Even that is debatable. I mean, I do. (laughs) I've already talked about how I want a big dog. So I guess yes, but... If I did not have the dog, would I be okay? Yes. You know what I mean? Whereas, and I know some people are like, I want children and I'm not going to be able to be happy if I don't have them. And that's not my ministry. I'm good. (laughs) So any potential suitors out there, y'all, if that's one of the things for you, then I don't know, beloved, it may not work out. (laughs) But who knows? I'm going to say that. Never say never. You never know. I might meet a man that convinces me or I might. Who knows? Maybe my mind will change when I hit 40 or something. And I'll be like, I need a seed of my own. (laughs) Who knows? But right now, like children are high. Y'all expensive. (laughs) And that's first and foremost. Okay. I like to spend my money on electronics and food. And then if I have kids, I got to figure out how to do that for my kids, too. That's a lot. And I feel like I would be the type of parent that would spoil my kids rotten. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's it makes me anxious to even think about trying to spoil my kids the way that I spoil myself or even more so. Because I probably would be that parent that, okay, he's nice put together. Them kids look like they just came off the runway. Like, I feel like that would be the kind of parent I would be. So, I don't know. I feel like that would be a hard sell for a man, though. Like, I love you so much, I want us to have a family. Skirt, skirt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about all that. <laughs> um, My next question is, do you feel like it's, like, harder for people in the LGBT community to be accepted into, like, jobs if 
the job knows like who you are potentially yes i will say i think i think certain parts of the corporate world are getting better but i think it's still something that we have to contend with more specifically probably trans people like i've talked about this before when when i go to work when i'm out in the workforce i don't see trans people and i'm not saying a thing where it's like i know a trans person when i see them i mean openly everybody knows that they're trans i don't see that you know where i see trans people working mostly at like fast food places like they work where they can and not to scare you or cut you off or anything like that but again i'm going to be honest with you that's why a lot of trans people men and women but maybe more of women i don't know that's why they turn to sex work for jobs to to survive because mm-hmm. so many places won't employ them you don't go to a doctor's office and see the receptionist is, is a trans woman you don't go to, I don't know, AT&T to get you your, your iPhone upgrade and there's a trans person that is helping you. You don't see that that often. Like I said, if you do, it's like a unicorn. It's like some kind of ram in the bush. Like, how did this happen? Because you don't ever see that. So I would definitely say it's something to consider. And it right now, that's really have has been in the forefront of my mind because of the administration trying to roll back so many protections that we've had. Like they basically are trying to say it's up to the companies and the companies, they don't do that. So why are y'all complaining? When in fact the protections are there because they will do it. If they are allowed, the reason why they don't do it is because they can't because it's illegal. And if they do it, then the person that they do it to, or the people that they do it to have a strong legal case. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of people that are like, I don't like I keep my personal life under wraps and I'm usually that person. Like when I was in Texas, I did not share the details of my personal life with coworkers unless we were friends outside of work. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me about who I'm dating. Don't none of that is I don't do that where I am now. It's a different environment. It's more open. If you can believe it, Seattle feels a little bit more progressive than Houston in some respects, especially with mm-hmm. the LGBT community. And I don't want to say the city itself is more progressive because I don't know if that's true. But let me scale it back to my personal experience. Where I work now feels a lot different than places I've worked in the past. And I've been more open with it. Like even sharing my podcast with coworkers, like in Texas, that's not something I would ever have considered. Mm-hmm. But here in Seattle, it just feels different. It feels like it's a more inclusive environment. Mm-hmm. I even want to say one of the, my coworkers is he's openly gay too. Like he got a picture of him and his husband, if I'm not mistaken. Like it's it's more acceptable. You don't have to worry as much. But on a broad scale, definitely. I mean, look at Hollywood. Like the LGBT community is still fighting for roles. Like still fighting for trans women to play trans roles. Like it's yeah, it's like, still a big thing to get that representation and have those doors open so that we can have the jobs that we deserve, that we're qualified for, that we have the talents for. You know what I mean? Yeah, like why would you get somebody that's not gay to play a gay person in a movie? You 
So there's a lot of debate on that. I'm glad you said that because actors, yes, technically have the capability or they should, if they're good at what they do mm-hmm. to play, you know, a plethora of roles. I won't say every role, but a plethora of roles. The issue there is not why is a straight person playing a gay person. The issue is why aren't more gay people in the running for roles, period. And then it come, you start talking about things where it's like just because a person is gay doesn't mean they have to play a gay like a gay man. If he's a good actor, should be able to play straight, mm-hmm. just like straight people. They use being able to play gay as a benchmark of their talent, mm-hmm. but the opportunities are not afforded to the community. So that's why it's an issue. The, the opportunities are not afforded to the community at grand scales like they should be. So that's why it's an issue because I'm not going to say that I have a fundamental problem with a straight woman playing a lesbian in a movie or on a TV show. The issue comes where it's like, okay, but were any lesbian women even considered for the role? Did they even have a chance to audition? When you play in trans, did you consider any trans actors or did you just decide we want this person? We want a big name. And so now you got this man playing a trans woman or you have a woman playing a trans woman because I don't really see it with trans men that much. Not that it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And the question is always, were any trans people considered for these roles? Is it even open enough where they would be able to even audition? Would they even know about it? You know what I mean? Because a lot of times I see it something comes out where this straight actor is playing trans or playing gay or playing lesbian or whatever. And people from the community were like, we didn't even know that this was a thing. Like mm-hmm. they don't, you, they don't even put the casting call out to the community so that they can find talent in the community. It's starting to change, you know, things like pose and other shows where you see more people in the community, but I don't think it's to the point where it should be. Where it's like, okay, if you want to be respected as actors and can play a, a multitude of roles, okay, cool. But the casting couch needs to have a place for everyone to sit and have a fair chance at getting the role. That's how I feel about it. To start, do I feel like in order to be able to catch up, should the community get a little bit biased and have more representation and be considered a little bit more than straight counterparts yes but once we get to a part where it's clear that the community is really ingrained in the system in hollywood for lack of a better term then we can kind of be like okay let's make it even and it's like here's the role and we'll cast whoever we think is the best versus Mm -hmm. here's the role And we want a straight man to play this trans character. And it's like, why? If it's a trans character, then why can't everyone be considered for the role? And I I feel like that's kind of where we are right now, where everyone is not being considered. And so that's why it's a big issue, because we don't even get the opportunity, let alone get the actual job. Uh A lot of times we don't get the opportunity. And I'm loving what's happening lately in that we're starting to make our own opportunities because they're not open to us. I kind of liken it and I know 
black people get up in arms about this, but it is similar to how black people have to make their own spaces, have to mm-hmm. make their own stuff because we're not allowed and we're not invited to a lot of spaces. So we make our own. And the community does the same thing. And it has historically. We have our own we have our own clubs, we have our own prize, we have our own parties, we have our own stuff because we're not always accepted or invited or it's not safe for us to be in those spaces, even if the doors are open. We make our own safe spaces. So I'm happy to see that, but I'm still waiting for the day where it's like, okay, here is I don't know, off the top of my head, because I saw a picture of him the other day and he's very handsome. There's a trans man named Lath Ashley. And so it's like one of those things where like, okay, here's a role. Here's this big blockbuster movie starring Lath Ashley. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that's Lath Ashley. It's like, we know he's a trans man. Mm-hmm. And he's playing this role. And it's not a big deal because he's an actor. You know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah. here's this role in this movie. Here's, I don't know. Here's janet mock is catwoman or something <laughs> not that i'm saying i want that i'm just using it as an example and and we're like okay cool like i know janet mock i like janet mock she's a good actress let's see what she does instead of it being a can't even get an opportunity because you trans because you gay because you're lesbian because you pan because you're whatever yeah there are a lot of um celebrities and actors it's like there's a whole ocean but you only see like a handful of people that are part of the community. Which exactly. I don't think it's right. Exactly. Hollywood needs an overhaul, but not just for this. There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of reasons why Hollywood needs an overhaul, but <laughs> this is definitely one of them pertaining to this community. Um, my next question is, how many times a day do you face homophobia? So this is an interesting question because it really depends on how you present like and people's perception of you. So like I said earlier, for me, because of how I present, how I carry myself, I don't think a majority of people would look at me and be like, that's a gay man. And so I don't really have a lot of instances where I've experienced homophobia because i don't present as much as the next gay man i guess i I even kind of consider it a privilege and it's like one of those privileges that you don't actively pursue or anything it's just inherently built like i have privilege because i'm a man because i'm a cisgender man like there's privilege in that alone and i have privilege over some people some other gay men i would say because I'm not clockable for a lack of a better term. Let me rephrase. In a lot of spaces that I've been in, I have not been clocked. That doesn't mean I'm not clockable. It just mm-hmm. hasn't happened. And so I haven't really experienced a lot of outward homophobia. The most homophobia that I've experienced has actually been from the hands of family. Really? Like growing up, my stepfather would always give me the we ain't raising no sissies type thing and stuff like that, like outwardly. And I think also it's just because of the kind of person I am, like I the look on my face, like a lot of people are not really like trying to mess with me like that. (laughs) So I don't really have to deal with that or I haven't had to deal with that a lot now. Depending on the spaces that I put myself in, I know that there's a uh, a possibility, but 
off the top of my head, I can't really think of any instances where I felt like someone was being homophobic towards me, except when it comes to certain family members. Well, which is the sad, honest truth. Well, do you think it happens? Like, what do you think when you see like these videos or of people? Or, like, when you see people post online about it, or when you see other people being, like, affected from, like, homophobic people. It honestly shows me how much more work there is to do and how much further we have to go. Because what's the reason? What does this homophobia get you? How how is discriminating against someone in the community helping you? And so my first thought is always we have a lot of work to do. And just because you might see LGBT people in movies or in TV shows, just because you follow XD or somebody on Twitter Mm -hmm. that's openly gay and doing things, that doesn't mean that it's safe for the whole community. It doesn't mean that just because you see these two examples that that means that everybody else has the exact same experience. Um so that's my main thought is just we have more work to do educating or getting the bigots out the paint whatever it takes, but it's it's not a time where we can rest on our laurels for lack of a better term. It's not a time where we can just sit back and be like, Oh God, job well done community. We're not at that place. Not when our trans sisters are literally being murdered at the rates. They are 18 black trans women have been murdered and we're only in month nine of the year. You know what I mean? Like my friend Candace broke that down on one of our recordings. Mm-hmm. You average that out. That's two trans women, two black trans women being murdered every month. So we're not at a place where we can sit back and be like, man, we have done good and we have accomplished the things that we wanted to accomplish. And it's been a, a big debate that I've been seeing that a lot of people have felt like that once gay married or once. I mean, I guess once gay marriage was made legal mm-hmm. that a lot of people will felt like, OK, well, we we made it to the promised land. And it's like, but we haven't because we're still being discriminated against. And there's still instances in, in just court cases, like in the legal system and the judicial system that we have to fight against. Like, for example, the trans panic defense, I believe is what it's called. And mm-hmm. what that is, is when a when a person murders a trans person mm-hmm. and when they go to court, they say, oh, well, I felt like they tricked me. They didn't tell me they were trans. So I panicked and I attacked gay panic. Oh. Well, you know, it's a man coming on to me and I'm not used to that. So, you know, I panicked and I killed him. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that where they use our own identities against us in our death when usually that's not the case. Like mm-hmm. the stereotype or the misconception and I may have maybe I should have mentioned this when you asked me about the stereotypes, but the stereotype that trans women are being murdered because they're tricking men, they're not telling the men that they're trans when 
from what I've seen, that's not usually not the case. In these instances where these women are being murdered, there's nothing that comes up in the investigation or the details that come out about the trans women tricking the men that killed them. The men usually knew who they were. They a lot of times had a long standing or some type of history of a, a relationship. And for whatever mm-hmm. reason, they killed them. Like it's not what people have conditioned themselves to believe. And people have been resistant to see the truth, which is a part of the reason why I feel like the murders are at the race that they are, because people don't want to see the truth. They've gotten to, into their head. This is what it is. These men are coming on to these men. They're being too aggressive and the men are doing nothing but defending themselves. And these men are killing these trans women because these trans women are tricking them. They're not telling them that they trans. They're not doing this, that and the other. And it's like, that's usually not the case. You know what I mean? So I feel mm-hmm. like we still have a lot of work to do for mindsets like that. And I could go on and on and on with with examples, but you get what I mean? Like, that's kind of where we are. We still have a lot of work to do. So that's always my first thought. Um. Well, do you feel like gay people are accepted more than lesbians? Because uh, that's a really... I don't I won't say that gay men are accepted more than lesbians. What I will say is... By women, if you think about it. Like, do you feel like gay men are accepted more by women than lesbians mm -mm. are accepted? I don't think that's true. Um, In the same way around, like, men, gay men aren't accepted by men, but they are accepted... By women? Yeah. I don't think that's the case. You're too young, but you can get on social media, not you, but in general, you can get on social media and see that the homophobia, transphobia is just as rampant with with women as it is with men. Um, The reason why I feel like you're asking that question and my personal opinion is because as men, we have privilege just from being men, even if we're gay. We have privilege and because of that privilege, the gay voice and the focus is more so on gay men. So it looks like the community is surrounding gay men when in actuality, you know, it's all of us. We're all together and everybody faces their own type of discrimination and bigotry, hatred, whatever the case may be. I just think that because we're men men are always going to be brought to the forefront of whatever's going on. Even in Mm -hmm. cases where you're talking about trans women, for some reason, they will tap on a gay man to see what he has to say. If you line up a lesbian woman, a gay man, a bisexual person, because I think it could be either or, let's say a bisexual woman and a trans woman, that gay man is going to be at some kind of way, you don't know how it happens, But that gay man is going to be slid to the front. And if he's not, a lot of times, because of that male privilege, he's going to feel like his voice needs to be heard. He's going to talk over the women around him because that's just how we're conditioned as men, as boys, that we need to have our voices heard and everybody else falls second to that. So I can see how in your eyes it looks like there's more acceptance of gay men by women 
and whatever the case may be because of how it looks but is i don't know if there's any more acceptance i think there's a lot of it gets murky because and there's been a lot of debate about this of cis women kind of treating gay men as accessories um conversation that i haven't seen a lot of but i've been kind of wondering about lately is how many gay men are kind of using <laughs> the straight women around them to get what they want like okay we feel a lot of times the thought is the women are using the men as accessories but how many instances is it that the man is allowing himself to be used as an accessory because he's after something too okay yeah you could you consider me uh, an accessory yeah we're gonna go shopping yeah we're gonna do this yeah we're gonna do that but it, the whole time maybe he's building up a portfolio so it's like yeah we can be good judies let's go shopping and now i can i can start to sell the looks that i'm putting together on my quote-unquote friend i wonder about that i don't know how how true that is i could have made up the whole thing but knowing mm -hmm. how people are in most instances people are in situations for what they can get so they're only gonna like do something because they want something in exactly so in a lot of instances unless the man is just completely ignorant i wonder how many times or how many instances are these gay men that we consider accessories allowing themselves to be accessorized for something it could be it could be business. It could be just social clout. It could just be, I don't want to be a pariah like some of the other gays. So I'm going to be with my friend and my friend's family. And I'm going to be, I'm going to get that acceptance that I crave or that I want, or that I just feel like I'm entitled to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I don't think there's more acceptance of gay men by either cis head gender. I think it's, they back each other up. You know what I mean? If men mm -hmm. are homophobic, then there's going to be women behind them that are being homophobic. If women are being homophobic, there's damn sure going to be men that's coming up behind them being homophobic too. You know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. it's not one more so than the other. They may look different because men tend to be more aggressive. So there's more avenues where you kind of think that that's going to lead to violence. Whereas with women, you may not have the, that type of violence, but it, homophobia is still homophobia. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. big or small, whether I can put it in a, in a garbage bag or if it's small enough to fit in a Walmart bag, it's still homophobia. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, well, do you think there is a promised land? Because you see how we have progressed with racism. I mean, it's gotten better, but it's not all the way fixed. There's potential. Number one, I definitely will say I don't see that happening in my lifetime. I'm not even sure if it would happen in your lifetime. We are moving in a better direction, but knowing how people are, I don't know. And the other thing that I wonder is with the social and economic parts of the community being in society to have to be considered mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know if that'll ever be something that is truly moving the needle same with racism like do i ever feel like we'll truly ever be equal with white people i, I don't know 
because even if the feelings dissipate within the white race, the white community, economically, are they going to allow it? Because you look at it now, like they feel like, and not even just white people, I would imagine. I'll use the the Hispanic or the the Mexican population as an example. They look at Mexicans as dirty. They're stealing our jobs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So at some point, I'm wondering in the fight for black people to be considered equal and have that equal footing. Are they going to find some kind of or continue to find some kind of economic? And honestly, now that I think about it, I think with every group, with every demographic that they hate against, there's a different tactic. So like with black people, especially, you know, more so black men, Mm -hmm. it's it's judicial. So you see black people get way longer prison sentences. They get way longer prison sentences for the same offenses as their white counterparts. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. With Hispanic people, Latinx people, Mexican people. They have this rhetoric of they're they're all these things and they're just coming over here illegally and stealing jobs with the LGBT community. They're degenerates. They don't deserve to be in society. They're going against God's plan. They're the reason why we have hurricane, you know, all kinds of stupid stuff like there's a different mode of Mm -hmm. thinking for every group. So. I mean, there's unlimited potential in the human race Mm -hmm. i just i don't know how many lifetimes it would be before it changes or even if are we gonna get there before there's some kind of cataclysmic event that wipes out everybody i don't know i don't know Mm -hmm. it's like you want to have that faith in people but then you have people like trump get into office and you see the regression and it's rapid trump has only been in office for what two and a half three years and there's been so many laws that they have that they have thrown out that protect not even just the LGBT community we talk about women we talk about children we're talking about consumers like they roll back environmental protections that help us Mm -hmm. there's so many instances where they pick business over human life and you just wonder we can make all the progression that we want but it's going to be that one instance where we lose and someone gets in the office and it's so easy to do away with the work that people have spent decades doing mm-hmm. decades potentially to get the stuff that we've it's taken this long to get a combination of the Supreme Court that would uphold the marriage of gay people and make that legal across the land and that's something that potentially could be undone. It's only been in place a couple of years, maybe five or six years. And if the right case gets to the right Supreme court, it could be overturned, which I think a lot of instances is, is the idea. They want these cases to go to the Supreme court with the makeup that will overturn just like Roe v. Wade, like with, you know, um, abortion cases and stuff like that. They're trying to get stuff to go to the Supreme Court so that the court will overturn it. So it's like there's a lot of implications. There's a lot of factors. And I don't know. It's it's just hard to say. You just never really know what's going to happen. Because as much as you want to believe in the goodness of people, 
the badness will still step up and do its worst to you, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. My next question is, do you feel like Christianity or like the Bible is to blame for why people don't like people in the LGBTQ plus community? I would say yes and no. I say yes because there are a lot of people who are educated by that and they don't seek any education outside of it. Mm-hmm. And I would say no because there are people who are not religious that are still bigoted. And the the propensity for bigotry and hatred is already in people. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I feel like a lot of people... Y- already felt that way or feel that way independent of Christianity but they use Christianity as a vehicle because it's already there like why hate on my on your why hate the group on my own and face backlash when I can claim it under my religion that has had a long history of being against the community mm-hmm. well other than that what do you feel like is like a main reason People are homophobic. Ignorance. People fear what they don't understand. And oftentimes fear will turn into anger. Anger turns into hatred. And then those feelings are passed on from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just the ignorance. It's the It's the ignorance that manifests itself in all of those different ways because people they don't understand it and they don't want to take the time to understand it and to learn and do better and even if they have a family member that is in the community what they'll do is they'll make an exception for the people that are close to them while still condemning the rest of the community if that makes sense Mm mm-hmm Well, with the president that we have, do you think that things with him or with the next president are going to, like, get better or get worse? It depends on who the next president is, to be honest, because if we keep the president that we have, it's just going to continue to get worse because that's going to be four more years of them being able to roll back protections and for him to have his his white nationalist rallies that he calls presidential whatever whatever he calls that stuff which is really just white supremacist rallies if you look at the fine print if we get a different president i feel like there's a lot of work to do because i personally feel like getting back the stuff that we've lost since we've had trump is going to be a much more difficult process than getting rid of it then and it is for him to get rid of it if that makes sense yeah so potentially it could get worse or we could start to get better and now my fear is if we get a different president let's say we get a democratic president next we could get two we could get a democratic president and get two terms and it might take that long to get back what we've lost and if you get one term, we may not have enough time because mm-hmm. then you have to think about, you know, you're going to learn more about this the older that you get and more school 
it's not just the president doing whatever he wants to do. You got to think about what kind of Congress do we have? Is the Congress a different political party than the president? Mm -hmm. Because that was something that President Obama dealt with a lot of his presidency. He's a Democratic president. The Republicans run Congress. And so they have different agendas, so they don't get as much done. Whereas with with Trump, he's a Republican president who has had for a majority of his presidency a complete Republican Congress. And so they don't fight him on stuff that he does. And and they know that if they come up with their own stuff, because let's not act like Congress is not bigoted, too. He's going to back that up. You know, they're unite more of a united front. I won't say a complete united front, but they're more of a united front. They get more stuff done. And you look at this presidency and from what I can see, they haven't done anything positive. Everything has Mm -hmm. been about stripping back stuff, rolling back stuff and stroking his ego. But it's like when people tell me, well, I like his policies and I'm like, what what exactly has he done? What policies has he enacted that you like? Because I'm, I'm trying to be objective about it and I don't see anything that has helped this country at all. Mm-hmm. Since he's been in office, you know what I mean. So, I honestly, at this point, I don't know because we don't, we're not far enough towards the next presidential race where we know who the candidates are going to be, who's going to be actually running, and so it could go either way. Like I said, we could get Trump again, and I, I part of me, a big part of me, feels like we will. And we're going to have more of what we're dealing with now. Or we could get a Democratic president that's going to have to fight tooth and nail to not only advance their own agenda, but Mm -hmm. to get the stuff back that has been stripped away from not just the LGBT community. Like, I know that's the forefront of this conversation, but I mean, I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about Jameson. I'm thinking about all the other kids that are around me and just in the country. You know, they don't invest in education. They stu- uh-huh. they roll back stuff. They roll they 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 don't want to fund things that help us. They don't want to have a socialist agenda that helps people like us to get to where we should be able to get if we're living in the quote unquote greatest country in the world. You know what I mean? Like there's this uh-huh. big misconception that the the people that are in power did it all on their own. They literally had no one help them. They had no advantages. They just built everything from the ground up. And it's like, that is very seldom the case. They either, they get loans from parents. They have generational wealth or they don't have generational wealth. They have community. Cause there's a lot of immigrants. They'd be like, well, I had nothing when I came. It's like, yeah, but a lot of times y'all have community. Mm-hmm. The American dream is not as widespread as the 1% would have you believe. At least that's my opinion. Do you think that police brutality is ever targeted to people in the LGBTQ community? Absolutely. And do you feel like the media doesn't really show that part of it? Yeah. I mean... If we're going to be honest, the media doesn't show a lot when it comes to the LGBT community, which is why. Because so many people have things against it. The media is political and they have their own agenda as well. And so 
there's been a lot of debate and fight for the media to be more objective the way they should be and not try to spin stories to sway public opinion a certain way. But a lot of times with the LGBT community, they just flat out don't cover it. Again, with the trans murders, they don't get national coverage the way they should. There's, I don't know of any news station or, or company or whatever you want to call them that are doing a lot of exposés on the number of trans people being murdered every year. Mm-hmm. There's, there, We don't have those type of things. Like the media, we hell, we can't even get the media a lot of times to, to not misgender trans people after they get killed. So you're talking about just general coverage like if the if the people in the community that are being talked about are not affluent if they're not rich if they're not actors they're not famous they don't we don't get the same kind of coverage and i mean the media needs to do better but this is where we are you know what i mean like it's the it's the sad honest truth well my last question why do you think People in the LGBTQ community are blamed for, like what you said earlier, for tricking people and making them think that they were somebody who they weren't. When obviously, when you're getting to know the person, you should obviously ask those kinds of questions. So isn't it really their fault that they didn't? they didn't go out to learn those things you can't get mad at somebody for something that they didn't even know you would get mad about well the thing about that is our society is set up to where it shames people for being different Mm -hmm. and so you think about let's use trans people and their murders as as an example cis gender men and cisgender heterosexual men are conditioned to shame men who are not cis head and so because of that shame you have men who have attraction to transgender women Uh but they feel like and a lot of times they're not accepted amongst their peers because they're different and they're not conditioned to accept those differences and so that becomes a situation where those men who are being shamed or who fear being shamed have to set up something that kind of protects them in the case in the instance that something goes sideways so for example let's say you have a man and he he identifies as a man he's a cisgender man and he identifies as heterosexual. He likes women. Mm-hmm. His attraction to women also includes transgender women. So he's already afraid that he's going to be shamed and publicly outed or whatever the case may be because he's attracted to trans women. And there's fear that people are going to say, oh, you're just gay because that's a whole thing. And so in his mind, he's like, whose fault is it that I'm attracted to trans women? It's not my fault. It must be their fault. Or it could be an instance where they they like what they like. and That that is what it is. But if something goes sideways, they're going to put that blame on them. Because not only are we as a society conditioned to shame men who 
deviate from what's considered quote unquote normal, men are also conditioned to be selfish and to protect themselves at all costs. And so uh-huh. they will put the blame anywhere but themselves because you can look at so many examples of that happening. It's not just with the LGBT community. How many instances do you see men blaming women for them being poor fathers, for them being bad fathers? How many instances do you see women blaming men for X, Y, Z? Like we're a blame game society. Like Uh someone has to be responsible other than us. And men in particular are conditioned to shirk personal responsibility and accountability. And so in these instances where something happens and they happen to be dealing with a transgender woman, they're a man and they're not conditioned to accept responsibility in most instances for the things that they do. And so if they do something, if they kill them or if they attack them or something like that, if they just whatever happens and and it it comes time to whose fault is this? More often than not, these men are going to default to, well, it's her fault because she did X, Y, Z, even if she didn't do it, because I, as a man, it, I don't have to take responsibility for anything because in most instances, I've never had to take responsibility for anything. I don't have to be accountable. Even when people try to hold me accountable, I can just remove myself. And so. If you, as the perpetrator, are not being held accountable for your actions, who is? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that falls on the community, trans women in this instance. And it's so disgusting because, again, a lot of instances we're blaming trans women for their own deaths when they weren't doing anything wrong, but just living their lives. And -hmm. they just happen to come across a man who has whatever issues he has And now someone's life has been taken or whatever the case may be, whatever instance, whatever scenario you have in your head. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just the conditioning. And I've I've said this on my show before, and we've even talked about this this weekend while you were with your dad in Mm -hmm. that people don't realize that even if you are part of the community, however early you identify In a lot of instances, gay men and men who grow up to be, well, I won't, won't, but a lot of times men are conditioned a certain way because of how we're raised. Hmm. And so you see a lot of gay men be transphobic, be homophobic, even though they're gay. Just like you see black people who hate other black people. Like it's part of our conditioning. Although sometimes they go to the left and you be like, okay, you, your whole family black. Y'all had a typical soul food family and used to mm-hmm. grow up hating black people. You don't understand it. But in a lot of instances, men are conditioned a certain way. And part of that conditioning is the lack of accountability. How often do you see? I wonder about that. Let me ask you. I wonder about that. So let me ask you. Have you come across any instances where you see a male counterpart not be held to the same standards as you or some of your female counterparts? Yes. Like, do you see boys get away with stuff that, you know, girls would never be able to get away with? 
Yeah, one time in the locker room, we, some people don't dress out because I have seventh period, I'm going to go home and take a shower anyway. One time I didn't dress out and I got in trouble, but I see boys who wear sweatpants every day or, and they don't dress out at all. And I got in trouble for it when he went off or when we have dress codes that's a big issue because we always are getting in trouble for like wearing spaghetti straps when they go over somewhere else and wear some tank tops yeah so you see it's a double standard for boys versus girls mm-hmm. and it's 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 the same it doesn't change like boys don't grow up and start thinking differently on their own from how they're raised and how they're conditioned and it mm-hmm. manifests, it grows as they're men. They get more aggressive, they get more selfish, they want what they want, and they don't feel like they have to be held accountable for their actions. It's like mm-hmm. the world owes me all of this, but at the same time, I don't owe the world anything. That's how a lot of boys are conditioned, that's how they're raised, and that's how they are as men. Mm-hmm. And it has its effect, it, it affects women. It affects girls. It affects the community. You know what I mean? Like it's that's why they say. I don't know if you've heard the term um, patriarchy and toxic masculinity. Like these are the things that we're talking about in men and in boys that is hurting everybody else. It hurts them too, mm-hmm. but it more directly or more quickly affects the rest of us. And so that's why we're trying to shift the conversations on how our men being raised how are they being conditioned and at the end of the day just being accountable for the things that you do the things that you say that's where we are with it but well we have been talking for a long ass time (laughs) and i hope that you guys enjoyed this i personally have enjoyed this and my favorite part of this has been seeing you kind of open up and seeing the the cogs in your mind turn. Because mm-hmm. I know you were nervous when we started. You were like, I only got four questions. Let me tell you, honey. <laughs> and I was like, trust me, once we start getting into the conversation, you're going to start thinking of more and more stuff. And you did. Like, there was, it was no lull. Like, you had all of the stuff going on in your head. You probably still have more questions. And so I'm, I'm very happy to see someone your age be invested in this have these conversations and i'm more than happy to be able to answer what i could mm-hmm. and again i hope that you guys hear this and you love it you share this with young people i'm gonna say this is probably the only episode that is safe <laughs> for for the youth to listen to because let me tell you something <laughs> you probably don't want to deviate from this episode as far as letting your kids or anyone listen to it but this one I think it's important for people your age, people younger, and really anybody to hear because it's important to embrace our youth because if you don't get it from me, who's older and been through stuff, who are you going to learn from? Nobody. Exactly. So, Jaden, thank you for joining me, my beautiful goddaughter. And she is only 13, so... um, I'm not going to ask her where you can find her because y'all leave my goddaughter alone, okay? (laughs) We're going to leave it at that. 
All right, you guys, that's going to wrap this show up. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you again for listening. Remember, you can chime in at any time. If you have thoughts on what you've heard, go ahead and sound off. Use the hashtag GaySidePod when you're live tweeting or posting about the show so that everyone can see that. You can also send in letters, compliments, show topic ideas, stories, or whatever you may wish. I like to call it the gay side mail, all of which can be sent to gay side stories at gmail.com. Please go ahead and do that. Also, go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five star rating. And if you really love the show and want to show some support, leave a review five stars as well. And make sure you're sharing this show with other people. Word of mouth is still the best way for podcasts like this one to reach more ears and get a bigger audience so go ahead and tell someone that you love the podcast friend co-worker family whatever the case may be that is how we get more people to listen to these shows and you know what that's it love yourselves as always make sure you're protecting your walls or they will what crumble and i will be back next week